You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Today we're in Acts chapter 4, and Acts chapter 4 is a continuation of Acts chapter 3. It's one continuous story. And uh, if you listened in last uh, podcast, uh, Ty talked about the story of the healing of this um, lame man, uh, Peter and John, on their way into the temple. And Acts chapter 4 continues that uh, mid-story, mid-preaching, and the disciples are arrested, questioned, released, and we have a picture of the church life. So it's important to note that we're continuing the story begun in Acts chapter 3. And before we dive into this chapter, Acts 4, I want to remind you that the book of Acts is a record of the initiation of God's move post-resurrection. So once Jesus has been raised from the dead and takes his seat at the right hand of the throne of God, he begins to administrate his move on the earth from his reign in the heavens. And he does that by empowering a group of witnesses who are filled with the Spirit and are joined together in a one accord and who have open mouths and bold spirits. And so a key verse for the whole book of Acts is chapter 1, verse 8. And that says, uh, Jesus, right before he departs in ascension, he says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So this is a key verse for the entire uh, understanding of the book Acts. It's a record of the first century witnesses moving out beyond the confines of Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that witnessing is continuing with the church today. So Acts 1.8 is what Acts is all about. And Acts 1.22 is another key verse that tells us what the central uh, testimony is. What is it that we are witnessing to? And this verse says uh, they're replacing Judas as one of the twelve. And it says, it's necessary that one of the men who accompanied us all the time should become a witness of his resurrection with us. That's Acts one twenty two. become a witness of his resurrection. So the central testimony being witnessed to in the book of Acts is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we see that as we go into Acts chapter 4. Um, the book of Acts records five of Peter's messages and that's Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, and Acts 10. So chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 10. Those are the five recorded messages that Peter gives. And if you study these five messages together, you see the central testimony that Peter is bearing witness to is the resurrection of Christ. And obviously that uh, includes his incarnation, his living, his death, and his ascension, but the heart of the testimony is the resurrection. Okay, let's come to chapter four. We're going to look at three points, the preaching, the prayer, and the pattern. Okay, the preaching, the prayer, and the pattern. So remember, we're in mid-story. Peter's preaching is interrupted by his arrest, but once he's brought before the Sanhedrin in question, he 
delivers another bit of powerful preaching. Uh, Then he's released. He returns back to his own people, the church, the believers in Christ. And there is a powerful prayer that we have recorded. And then we have a concluding summary, a picture of the positive scene in the church life that is a pattern to us. So the preaching, the prayer, and the pattern are the three points we're going to look at in this chapter. And regarding each one of these, the preaching, the center of the preaching is the stone savior. Okay, we'll look at this in a second, but it's Peter preaches Christ as a stone who is our savior. And then the prayer is centered on a sovereign master, a sovereign master. And then the pattern involves a sharing, a sharing uh, people. So we have got the stone savior, the sovereign master, and the sharing people. So let's look at these one by one. The key verse in point one is verse 11 and 12, these two verses. Peter's filled with the spirit and he announces that Jesus Christ is the stone. I love that. This is the stone which was considered as nothing by you, the builders, but which has become the head of the corner and there is salvation in no other. Okay, so Peter preaches Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of Psalm 118. That's what this verse is alluding to. Psalm 118, this is the stone which was rejected by the builders and yet has become the head of the corner. This refers to Christ in his death and resurrection, rejected in death, but chosen and set as the cornerstone or the head of the corner in resurrection and ascension. And what's great about this section is it shows you what salvation is for. Salvation is is in no one else except Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. So this is a great, uh, you know, a, a great point to understand about the exclusiveness about the way of salvation. But this verse goes beyond that and tells you what salvation is for. It's for a building. And God has a building project in this universe called the church. And salvation is not just um, remedially uh, or reactionary to redeem us, to forgive our sins and to reconcile us back to God, but it is for a positive purpose that precedes the need for redemption from sin, which is the entire reason God created from the beginning, which was not just to allow us to fall to redeem us so that we would know his love and grace and power and forgiveness, but to put himself into us as our life for the sake of the building of a group of people into God and God into them And that building is the church. So Jesus Christ is a stone. And in that very, uh, you know, cruel act of rejection and murder that the gospels end with and that Peter, you know, calls out in his preaching. I think in in fact, chapter three, Peter called them out. Um, you, You murdered the author of life. In that act of rejection, that simply fulfilled God's design to exalt Christ as a cornerstone. And it's in him that all of the building uh, is joined together. Jew and Gentile, black, white, east, west, were united in Christ for the building up of the church. Okay, let's look at our second point. Uh, this gets down to verse 24. Peter returns back to uh, his own people, it says, and they lifted up their voice with one accord to God and said, Sovereign Master, 
You are the one who has made heaven and earth and sea and all things in them. And then they begin to quote Psalm chapter 2 about why did the Gentiles rage and contemplate a vain thing, and they set themselves against the Lord and against his Christ. And then verse 28, they say, to do what your hand and your counsel predestined to take place. So in their prayer, they pray themselves, you know, they realize that their situation is the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 2, and they recognize that what happened in the life and death of Jesus Christ was exactly what the sovereign master's hand and counsel had predestined, had predestined. I love this. And so this is important for us as we're going through our life and our trials and on a worldwide uh, scene, things like a pandemic or an ice storm or whatever it is, a war, a famine, uh, any even even opposition to uh, Christianity, we need to realize that the sovereign master has not lost control of the universe. He has not lost control of his purpose. And even the opposition against Jesus Christ is a outworking of the Father's counsel and predestination and only adds up to a fulfillment of what he intends. So if we see this, we need this vision uh, to to govern us, to govern our thought life and a realization, and will bring forth a prayer uh, in us where we pray, Sovereign Master, do what your hand has predestined to, to take place. Um, so key in this section on prayer is a vision upward of God's sovereignty, a one accord inward to pray together, and a boldness outward to speak. So that you see all of that in this little section on point two, on the prayer towards the sovereign master, a vision upward, a one accord inward, and a boldness outward. So that brings us to verse 31. When they had so besought, when they had prayed in this way, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And this uh, forms an interesting counterpart to the beginning of this chapter where Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and the Sanhedrin audience in verse 30, uh, 13 recognizes the boldness of Peter. So the spread in the book of Acts of, of the witnesses uh, of the resurrected Christ is not limited to a, a clergy, a professional class, a pastor system, a, you know, a group of trained professional preachers, but all of God's people need to be filled and need to be speaking with boldness. Okay. Our third point is starts in verse 32. This is the pattern of a sharing people. And I love this section. It's such a pattern for us today. Not one said that any of his possessions were his own, but all things were common to all. And so the heart and the soul of this diverse multitude from various backgrounds, there is a deep and profound one accord in heart and in soul that manifests in open-handed sharing and fellowship. So they shared their their stuff, their possessions, the things they had, uh, their one accord was so deep. And this becomes, in a sense, a, a great apologetic within the church for the reality of the words we speak in our witnessing. 
when people look at the life of the church and they see the love, the oneness, the practical care, that is uh, a manifestation that truly the resurrected Christ is alive and is living in the church, and he is the factor that unites this diverse group of people and um, allows such a condition of love and fellowship to um, manifest. So this is a just just such a lovely ending to this chapter. Um, and again, it's a powerful testimony in a culture like ours today in the West, which is so materialistic, so individual, so consumerist. Um, you know, we measure the good life in terms of goods. And the book of Acts shows us a radically different way to conceive the good life, which is the sharing of goods and fellowship and love. And this is possible because of verse 33. This verse says, great grace was upon them all. Great grace. So in a sense, this one verse sums up this chapter. Great power. With great power, the apostles gave testimony of the resurrected res- resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So in our preaching, and our prayer, we need great power to proclaim the stone savior and to um, exalt the sovereign master and pray out his will. We need great power to do that preaching and prayer, and we need great grace to maintain the sharing of goods among God's good people. Praise the Lord for that. Amen.